Good morning, and peace be with you. We have some announcements that I'd like to uh, draw your attention to. Uh, we had a successful congregation meeting last weekend. Thank you for all who attended. And um, one of the things that is uh, on the list here you can see is uh, uh, we're getting closer to the digital sign. And I think money is still coming in. If uh, you feel led to uh, participate in that, uh, we would appreciate it. This will replace the sign that is out there that has the stock letters, and this will be electronic and it can be programmable. Um, it'll be noticeable, and uh, so we are delighted with the prospect of that. We have a member that is going to match dollar for dollar uh, every uh, dollar that comes in. So, hi, Rosie. <laughs> Welcome. It's good to see you. Wow. And uh, that's the best news right there. Okay, so uh, you can look through the rest of this stuff um, on your own. One of the things that I would like to um, have us be conscious of uh, this morning, I read uh, just very briefly, I just got the tagline on it, but we know that Christians are being persecuted throughout the world, right? I mean, it's just, in, in, in the United States, we might be called bad names. We don't have anyone seeking to take our lives here. Um, but I read this morning of a, of a pastor in Africa, and uh, uh, ISIS, uh, they, they took his head. They killed him. He wouldn't recount. And... Um, these things are happening probably more than, than is what, obviously, it has to be more than being reported. But when it is reported, um, it hurts. And it also makes me um, grateful that we have this country um, where we can now uh, proclaim Christ and him crucified, where we can meet in safety uh, for now, um, but that this could slip away. And I... Uh, pray that uh, this church, and Jesus said, uh, my Father's house is a house of prayer, that we would be beseeching the Lord to heal not only this nation but this world that so desperately needs him and to uh, be with those people that are being persecuted. Now, here's the thing. The man lost his head. He lost his life. We know where he is. We know where he is. He's better now than he's ever been. And, 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 and in that instance where we know that God uh, in Scripture says that he uses all things for good for those who love him, he will do something wonderful from this awful event. But in the meantime, we must not be silent. We must be in prayer. We must be speaking out when the opportunity comes and saying, this is wrong to persecute people for their beliefs. Well, that was a little heavy. Let's stand and let us sing as unto the Lord.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature and sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. He is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God, power and honor and blessing and glory are His. This 
is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1072. Isaiah 9, beginning with verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Now we will read Psalm 27 responsibly, verses 1 through 14. And this is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. 
The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high up on a rock. Hear my voice when I cry, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The epistle for this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 18, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1772. First Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there will be no divisions among you, but that you will be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters come from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew from the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is from St. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1500. Matthew 4, 12 through 25. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat and with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, and those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them all. Large crowds from Galilee the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan, they followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
in the name of Jesus. I have a telephone. Ah, the telephone. Where would we be without it? I'm going to take a picture here. Smile and wave. There you go. On this side. Everyone's sitting over there on the right. You know, you, anyone here remember when telephones were just for making calls? I don't know <clears throat> how we would get along without it. It's so important to us in everyday life. We use it to stay in touch with friends and with loved ones. We use it to make appointments. We even use it to order a pizza. Today's phones are amazing. Most cell phones will do much more than just make a phone call. As you know, some will let you uh, send a text and messages and email. Some will let you take a picture and send it to a friend. And one important feature of today's phones is that a friend can call and leave a message. And when that happens, your phone lets you know by saying, you have a message. And one thing that bugs many people is when a, they've called a friend and they leave a message and that friend never returns the call. What is up with that? You and I have a friend who left a message. He invited us to go fishing with him. There's another topic. Anyone like to fish? Yeah? They call it fishing, not catching, I found out at a very early age. I love to go fishing. I really do. I, I should need to get out there soon. So I wonder about the friend I just referred to that, can you guess who that friend is that uh, has invited us and, and has left us a message? It's Jesus, right? He, uh, he left us a message and he wants us to go fishing with him. The fishing trip is going to be quite different though. Instead of going out to a stream somewhere or catching fish, he has invited us to go and fish for people. He didn't leave this message on the phone, of course. He left this message in our Holy Bible and in our gospel message today. As we know that one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter and Andrew, and um, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and throwing a net into the water uh, because that's where they fished for a living. Jesus called to him, Come and follow me. And the amazing thing is, is that they dropped what they were doing immediately and they followed him. Remarkable. And as Jesus and Peter and Andrew walked along the shore, they saw two other brothers, James and John, and they were sitting in their boat, uh, mending their nets with their dad. And, and Jesus called to them and invited them to come along. And miraculously, amazing, they dropped what they were doing and said, Later, Dad, and, and they went with Jesus. They left their father and their boats behind. If you've ever been fishing, you know that there is a thrill to landing the big one. Am I right? You catch the big one? Can you imagine what the thrill it is uh, that comes for fishing for people and, and you help somebody to 
come to know Jesus because of you telling them what and who Jesus is. So, even though this is a story about Jesus calling the first disciples in, the, in our scripture today, it is for us too. It is a message from Jesus that he wants us to go and make disciples. And that's a call that we need to return. That's a call that we need to answer. And our answer ought to be, yes, Lord, I will. Earlier this week, there was a day in which Timothy was uh, the topic in uh, the Daily Bread, and our men's group yesterday uh, went through this in our Bible study at 8 o'clock every Saturday morning in pastor's office. All are invited. And Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. So what are the duties of your pastor? Jesus was calling before, those were apostles, pastors, teachers, they were fishing for men. What are the duties of your pastor? Well, I'm going to tell you. First and foremost, your pastor is called to preach Christ and him crucified. That is what my job is, to preach Christ and him crucified to this congregation and to administer the sacraments to this congregation, rightly, properly, regularly. Now, some people may say, surely you don't mean that a pastor should be evangelizing believers in the pulpit. Is that what you're saying, pastor? You just got done talking about fishing. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Most evangelicals have no category for preaching to preaching Christ to a congregation of believers. Their only category that evangelicals have is for preaching the gospel is that it is for the evangelizing of pagans, for going outside and getting more and more and more. That's, that's what they do and that's what they focus on. Both are important. Not one is more important than the other. Preaching to Christians, very important. We think of Paul's admonition to Timothy, laying the foundation that there is also the ordinary ministry. We think of today's gospel laying a foundation of going out and finding people. But there is an ordinary ministry that is preaching the gospel and administering the sacraments to a congregation of the already converted. That's you. I've noticed that some pastors overlook the congregation in order to reach out to the pagan world and, and gather in this harvest. I've noticed that it looked like they were looking right over 
the congregants' heads. I was in that. Were they looking over my head? Fellow pastors saying, looking over the heads. To, they forget the gotten to find those that are lost outside. I call this the neglect of the gotten, the forgotten gotten. So let's think for a moment of why is it important that your pastor, any pastor, preach Christ and him crucified to his congregation week after week? Why is that important? Well, let's take for a moment the inner soliloquy that many Christians experience week by week. What goes on in many Christians' hearts and their minds during the week? That voice that accuses. They may think that there may have been grace for me when as a sinner I was initially converted, but now, but now having been given the Spirit of God, I fear that things have gotten worse in me rather than better. That voice may say, I have horribly abused all of God's good gifts to me. That voice may say, I was so optimistic in the beginning when the pastor told me that Christ outside of me, Christ outside of me, dying for me, freely saved me by his death, and that the Holy Spirit now dwelling within me would aid me in following Christ. And I look forward to that so much. But it's all gone badly. I'm sure as I look around to my left and my right, others have no doubt done what God equipped them to do, but I have not. That voice may accuse, I have used grace and Christ shed blood as an excuse for doing things I probably wouldn't even have done as a pagan. I have rededicated myself to Christ more times than I can count. But it seems to get even worse. Whatever the outer limits of Christ's grace are, surely I have gone beyond. That voice of inner reflection says, I guess I was never a Christian in the first place. Because if I had been, I would have made some progress I would have made some progress in the Christian life. Maybe I was never part of the elect. The accuser whispers. The accuser says, anyway, maybe I'm beyond hope. And exhaustion and that person might say, I'll try going to church a while longer. But I think I've tried every possible thing that the church has told me to do. And after that, I guess, I'll return to paganism and I'll just eat and drink and be merry. 
So how does your pastor do Christ alone to that person, to that man, to that woman, to that child? How does your pastor inoculate, comfort that person? What do I say? Because that man is broken. Well, your pastor recognizes that the law has been done. He sees what the law has done and is doing to this person. The pastor realizes that what is needed in this case is not the law, but the gospel. And one of the problems with some churches in this country is the common conviction that genuine conversion always shows itself in a measurable moral progress. In other words, that a lack of such progress is evidence that no true regeneration has taken a place. That's a bunch of sin-sniffing, fruit-inspecting baloney. And I won't have it in here. And you don't do it. That breaks this pastor's heart. The still, the still sinning believe, or is led to believe, that he is not now, nor ever has been, a Christian. That because of what he has done or not done or failed at, he missed the mark and he's not in the book of life. That's, my friends, how the church breaks people. This is an example of broken by, this, by the church, and it should not be. And this pastor in this pulpit looks for symptoms like that. And I try to head him off. And I assure you, week after week, of his grace for you. Now, Luther recognized that the deadliness of this kind of theology, that is when we seek assurance from within ourselves, that we find no assurance at all. When we look for assurance inside ourselves, what we hear is that voice saying, you never were, you'll never be, you're not. All these negative things. But Luther realized and he proclaimed that the death and resurrection of Christ in our stead, you're shouting, Pastor, I mean it. The death and resurrection of Christ in our stead was enough to save even a Christian. So this pastor's calling is to present Christ alone against the false counsel of man's inner intuition. This pastor's calling is to call out fruit inspectors and sin sniffers and get them back on track. This pastor, week after week, presents the biblical promises concerning the sufficiency of Christ's death as sufficient to save even a morally guilty Christian. Now let me take a moment here to 
not pat myself on the back lest I break my elbow. Paul's letter to Timothy begs the question of this. Are pastors held to a higher standard than others? Your head should be doing this, yeah. Yes. In some senses, yes. But pastors are sinners too, in need of a Savior. And St. Paul writes to Timothy that pastors should have those qualifications listed above. Some people use this list as a checklist by which they can get rid of a pastor if he falls at one or more of them. Does following in, falling in any of these areas disqualify a pastor from being a pastor? Perhaps. Perhaps. The Lord establishes these qualifications for the office of the holy ministry. Why? So that we can have pastors who care for us in Christ. The Lord desires that a pastor faithfully preach and teach his word so that we sinners are saved. Anything that gets in the way of that is bad. You can think of it this way. For the pastor, these things are the law by which he must examine himself, by which he must learn to repent of his sins. But for you, they are good news. That the Lord gives you a pastor who is faithful and committed to the work that the Lord has given him. So what if your pastor messes up? What if he forgets to visit someone in the hospital or blows off a question you thought that was very important and didn't get back to you? What do you do? Will you, uh, you give your pastor what he gives you? Forgiveness. And after all, it is his job to deliver, to deliver Jesus who died and rose to rescue us from our sins. Your pastor baptized you. Your pastor absolves you and gives you Jesus' body and blood. And with that forgiveness that he has passed on to you, pass it back to him so that he may, with a clear conscience, Continue to do the work the Lord has given him to do for your blessing. As he is one, as he is the one that Jesus has chosen to give to you. And he's the one that Jesus has given you to give you Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In the light of Christ and with an increase in joy, let us pray to the Lord on behalf of his church and for all people in accordance to their needs. That the light of Christ may continue to shine among us through the joyful preaching of the gospel, and that his light might may shine where the darkness of unbelief still holds people captive to sin and its death. Let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy. That the church of Christ may enjoy unity of doctrine and a spirit of harmony in the work that God has given her to do. And that the Lord may prosper this work by supplying her people with faithful pastors and church workers. Let us pray to the Lord that this congregation may be strengthened by the preaching of the gospel and the faithful administration of the holy sacraments, and that God may bless those who hear and confirm them in his holy faith and fear all of their days. Let us pray to the Lord that every Christian may learn God's word and teach the faith to family and children, and that each may be bold in telling the good news of Jesus Christ to all those within their acquaintance and care. Let us pray to the Lord that the nations may enjoy peace, that we may know the gift of good and faithful leaders in our land, and that justice may be served in every place for the good of every people and for the protection of the unborn and the weak. Let us pray to the Lord that the Lord may give healing and comfort and peace to the sick in their afflictions, to the troubled in mind, to the grieving in their loss, to the dying, and especially to those that we lift up in our hearts right now or out loud. That they may know the comfort of his presence and be sustained in every trial. Let us pray to the Lord that the lonely may find welcome and consolation within the fellowship of God's people, 
and that those who sorrow may not despair, but find hope in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who come to the table of the Lord, that they may come in faith and repentance, and by this communion of Christ's body and blood, be strengthened in faith and equipped for good works that show forth their faith in the world. Let us pray to the Lord that we may offer the Lord the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving with our lips and our lives, along with the tithes and offerings of our hands. In gratitude for all his saving work and blessings, let us pray to the Lord. Everlasting Father, you are the source of life, and every good gift comes from you. Help us to honor your gift of life from conception to its natural end. Help us to guard those most in danger and to resist the forces that would cheapen life or rob it of dignity. You have placed upon it by giving your only Son to redeem us, lost and condemned sinners. Hear us, we pray, on behalf of him who gave his life for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. stand. Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. We offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. 
for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. Sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love that our darkness should give away to his own brilliant light. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup that we proclaim to a world that needs to hear this, Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. His body given, his blood shed for you, to save you, rescue you, to give you grace, to give you peace and salvation. Yes, you, even you, a sinning Christian. I heard you confess with your lips that he is your Lord and Savior. This beautiful table is prepared. Be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
David, the body of Christ given and broken for you. The body of Christ given 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 and broken for you. The body of Christ given for you. know that the law does not save. The law accuses. And the law is important. And the law was not done away with when Christ came. It was fulfilled.
you please stand? Man, I hope you got the point today. I said it over and over again. It's on my heart. It's that important that you know who you are in regards to the Father. And that you're his child. And he's for you. He is against everything that would be bad for you. But he is for you. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is sent forth by God's blessing. Amen. <laughs>